All right. Good morning. I'm so glad that I get to preach today. I don't have to wear the mask anymore. So as, as Phil was saying, uh, for those of you that don't know me, my, ben, my name is Ben Jimenez, uh, son-in-law of Jean Cole, and married to Elena, now Jimenez, for those of you that maybe didn't get to, to meet her. We recently had a, a, our first baby girl. Uh, she is almost six weeks old. Her name is Lucia. We have uh, two boys, Marcus, who is four, and Justice, who is uh, almost two. And we're just really blessed to have a, a, a new member of the family. And um, I'm sure uh, some of you will get, to, will get to meet her. Please open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. We're studying the, the letter to the Hebrews. And so the passage that we're gonna uh, we're gonna look at today is uh, Hebrews chapter thirteen, starting in verse seven, all the way to verse sixteen. As we read this passage, you will notice that the point of this passage is is seems to be pretty straightforward. It's a call for the church to remember, to consider, to imitate. The faith of their leaders is a call for the church to obey their leaders and submit to them. And so uh, you might be thinking, oh, how convenient that the elders are not the ones are not the ones preaching this passage. Right. And, you know, believe me, I, I would I would do the same. I would have someone else preach this passage. But hey, just to be clear, they didn't do this intentionally. I was actually scheduled to preach a different passage. But that time ended up not working for me. And this is the time that ended up working for me. And this is the passage that was there for me to preach. But at the same time, I'm thankful because I think that sometimes these are things that you need to hear from someone else. Right? They, sometimes they have a little bit more, uh, uh, I don't know, they, they, they have a little bit more meaning when, they, when it's someone else telling you, you should be submitted to your elders rather than your elders telling you, you should be submitted to us. Right? Uh, I actually had to preach a similar passage to to uh, to my church, where I basically had to tell the people, "Hey, the Word of God is calling you to honor and to and to hold in high esteem those who lead you." And you know, it's the Word of God, and and the authority is really in the Word of God. So whether it's coming from your elders, whether it's coming from me or someone else, it is the Word of God, and we're called to obey the Word of God. So. Uh, let me read uh, our passage today. So you are welcome to stand for the reading of God's word. That's something that we do at our church. Or you're welcome to remain seated. That's up to you. So Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have, no, which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned 
outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the camp. Sorry, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. This is the word of God. You may be seated. Please join me in in prayer. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your son, Jesus, that was sacrificed for our sins. We thank you that he was rejected. He was brought outside the camp, Lord, outside the gates of the city and suffered as a sacrificial offering, Lord. And thank you that it is because of him, Lord, that we have been brought into your family. We are members of your church. And Lord, I pray that as we uh, look at this passage that give us some really clear instructions on, uh, uh, on how your church functions and how your church is, is organized, Lord, I pray that uh, we would be humble and we would listen to your word in humbleness, Lord. I pray that you guide us by your Holy Spirit, Lord. I pray that you teach us what you want to teach us today, Lord. I pray that the words that I speak, Lord, they would be from you, God. Please give us guidance, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so the main, the main point really that I, that I, uh, that I see in this passage, one, one of them is, is very straightforward. One of them is, is a very direct point, which is church, submit to your elders because of Christ. And then uh, another uh, or part of the same point, but not, not so direct of an, of an application is elders care for the church because of Christ. Right, so this is this is kind of what what I want us to see today from this passage. Church, submit to your elders because of Christ, and elders care for the church because of Christ. Okay, so basically, what we're gonna do is first, I'm gonna talk about what I see in this passage as being some of the elders' responsibilities towards the church, and then we're gonna talk about what are some of the responsibilities uh, of the church towards the elders, and then we're gonna talk about why. Why is it that the elders are, are supposed to be doing this? And why is it that the church is supposed to be in submission and obedience to the elders? Right? So first of all, we, uh, the first thing that I see in this passage is that the elders are supposed, the elders, the leaders of the church, and, and sorry, just backing up a little bit, just to be very clear. I believe that the way that God has, the way that Jesus has uh, established his church I believe that in scripture and passages like 1 Timothy and, and several other passages that talk about leadership, I believe that the way that he has established his church to function is through the leadership of uh, biblically qualified 
elders. I believe that this is the way that, that he wants his church to function. The fact that we have elders doesn't mean that these people are elite Christianity or they are above the rest of the church or they have a closer access to God. I mean, you've been studying the book of Hebrews. You know from the book of Hebrews that it is through Christ that we have access to the throne of grace, right? We know from the book of Hebrews that Jesus is our high priest, right? So when I talk about elders, please do not hear me saying that I'm talking about these special priests who you have to go through in order to get to God. No, that's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is that Jesus, in his infinite wisdom, decided that his church, his local churches, should be governed by a team of biblically qualified elders. And so right now we're going to talk briefly about the responsibilities of these leaders, of, of these elders. And the first one that we see there is that they are supposed to speak the word of God, right? You see right there in verse 7, it says, Remember your leaders, so it's talking to the church, Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. So indirectly from this passage, we can, we can learn for the elders that the responsibility of the elders is to teach us the word of God. If you're an elder of the church, if you're a leader of the church, it is your responsibility to teach the church the word of God. One of the qualifications for biblical elders in 2 Timothy is that they are able to teach. And so an elder is someone that should know the word of God, is someone that should be familiar with the word of God so that they are able to teach the word of God. But not just teach uh, uh, the, the word that is here, but teach really what this word is pointing to, which is a love for God and a love for Jesus. You as an elder of the church, you know, I'm, I'm speaking to the elders right now, you as an elder of the church should be teaching the church the word of God and should be teaching them to love God and you should be teaching them to love the Lord Jesus. Now, another thing that the elders do is they model a life of faith in Jesus, right? It says, remember those, remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. So the fact that the church is called to consider and to imitate the life of the leaders, it means that the leaders then should not only be teaching the word of God, but they themselves should be living out the word of God. They should be living out what they are teaching. It is your responsibility, responsibility as an elder not only to know everything that is in this book, but also to do what is in this book. It is your responsibility to exemplify and so, again, just, just to clarify, I am not saying that then the job of the elders is to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying because that is simply an impossible standard, right? Yes, all, all of us should be striving for uh, holiness and all of us should be fight, actively fighting sin. But something that could happen, a risk that we could have when we put our elders and expect from them this... Uh, um, Unreal, we have this unrealistic expectation from them of they should be sinless. They should never sin. They should never fail. They should never do any single thing wrong. Well, the problem with that is that that combined with a lack, a lack of accountability within the team of elders can lead to the elders actually hiding their sin, right? Because they, they, they are held to such a high standard that they have to keep this image of themselves 
that the church expects from them. And so they, they have to hide, well, not that they have to, right? But, but oftentimes it results in the elders hiding their sins from, from, from the others, from the church, and it results in hypocrisy. So in what way then are the elders supposed to, uh, to be imitated? Well, it says imitate their faith. So the elders should live a life of faith in Jesus that is worth imitating. In other words, the elders should show the rest of the church what it looks like to run the race with endurance with your eyes set on Jesus, the founder and the perfected of the faith. Right? So when you look at an elder, you should be looking at them and saying, wow, this is what it looks like to run the race looking at Jesus. And when you look at an elder, you should say, this is what it looks like to actively fight sin. It doesn't mean that they never sin, but it means that they are actively fighting sin. And when you look at an elder, you should be able to tell, this is what it looks like to live a life of daily repentance and faith in Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying there? Like, I'm not saying that elders never sin. I'm saying that they should be living a life of daily repentance, a life of faith in Jesus. It is their faith in Jesus that we are called to imitate. Now, they are also called to watch over the church, and you see that in verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. This is, this is a really, really big responsibility. And this passage alone should, should make you think twice about becoming an elder. Right? You, it is the souls of the people that you are going to be held accountable for. So when someone is pursuing the office of elder, when someone is pursuing or seeking to be an elder, when someone is going to accept to be an elder, they better know that this is what they are, this, this is what they are committing to do. They are committing to give an account for the lives of the people that are under their care. And, and as a side note, as a parenthesis, this is why a lot of churches do church membership. Because the elders want to know who is it that they are accountable for. Right? Are your local elders here accountable for the people in the church uh, across the street? I don't, I don't know. I don't know the names of the churches around here. But are the elders of this church accountable for the life of people from a different church? Well, I would say, I would say no. I would say they are going to be held accountable for the lives of the people who have submitted themselves under their care. And so the elders are called to watch over the church. Now, Generally speaking, we would say, okay, they are called to watch over the, the lives of the people. Uh, from 1 Thessalonians, we, we read that the, the leaders of the church are supposed to admonish the church. They are supposed to call them out when they are in sin. They are supposed to, to, to call them out when they are uh, in, into a behavior that could lead to sin. They are to protect the church. But in, in the context of our passage today, one of the main things that the elders are protecting the church from is from diverse and strange teachings that the church could be led away by. And so in this case, 
We don't know exactly what the diverse and strange teachings were, but we do know that they had something to do with food, right? It says, verse 9, do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace and not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. So again, we don't know exactly what the, the, the false doctrine that the Hebrews were falling for was, but we do know that this doctrine, these teachings that they were falling for, they diminished the grace of God. So whether it be that they thought that, whether it be that the Hebrews understood that they were saved by grace, but then they thought that in order to keep favor with God, they had to eat certain foods or abstain from certain foods or, or they had to practice certain rituals in order to be strengthened in their hearts. The author of Hebrews is telling them, listen to your elders, imitate their, imitate their life, imitate their faith in Jesus. Listen to how they have been teaching you that salvation is by grace. And listen how they have been teaching you that sanctification is by grace as well. Notice what Paul tells Timothy, uh, Titus in Titus 2, verse 1. He tells him, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. So Paul is telling Titus, teach what accords with sound doctrine. And then we go to verse 11, where it says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. So right there we see that salvation is by grace, right? The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. But that's not it. It it goes on. Verse 12, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. So the grace of God is not just what saves us. It's not just what brings us through the door and then it leaves us, but it is also the grace of God that is sanctifying us. It is the grace of God that is training us to live, uh, uh, to renounce ungodliness, to renounce worldly passions. We see something similar in our passage in Hebrews Hebrews 13. It says, um, verse 12, So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. So the same blood that redeemed us, the same blood that saved us, is the same blood that continues to save us, that continues to sanctify us. It is the blood of Jesus that is sanctifying us. And so the job of the elders, or one of the jobs for the elders, is to protect the church from any doctrine, any teaching that diminishes the grace of God. Any kind of teaching that makes you feel like the grace of God is not enough. I was, uh, when I was looking at this passage, I was thinking, you know, false doctrine is, it, it reminds me a little bit of, uh, phone scamming or it reminds me of like email scams or even even like when you are browsing browsing on the internet what you know facebook or whatever and then you see an ad that says you will never believe what they found inside the walls of their new home 
And of course, it's like, oh my goodness, I will never believe. Let me click on here. And then you realize that in order to find out what they found inside the walls, you have to click next, like a, like an, pardon the expression, but like an idiot. Like you just have to go next. Okay, next. No, it's not here, not here. And finally, you realize, you know what? I'm never going to find out what was inside their walls. And finally, you're like, they probably just wanted me to click on it, right? And so I think that, that, that false doctrine is similar, right? Think about it. You get this email and they tell you, there is a problem with your Amazon account. There is a problem with your social security number. Call this number immediately. So they scare you. And in the same way, false doctrine is the same. There's a problem with what you have been taught. There's a problem with what your elders are teaching you. There is a problem with, with your lack of obedience for certain aspects, cer certain ceremonial rituals of the law. There is a problem with, with the food that you're eating. That's the kind of, that's the kind of deceiving that false doctrine does. And, and so you're enticed to look into it and be like, oh yeah, maybe my elders are teaching me wrong. Maybe I, maybe they have been reading the word of God wrong all this time. And maybe the entire church throughout the church history has been reading the word wrong. And maybe these people here are the first people in the world to finally understand what the word of God really means. Right? And it, it and so, False doctrine is, like it says here, it's strange, it's, it's diverse, it's, it's different kinds of teachings, and it's something that is, that is strange, not in the sense that it's weird, but in the sense that it's from the outside. It's not from the Word of God. It has the appearance of being from the Word of God, but really is just doctrines of man. And so in this case, the church, the, the church of the Hebrews is supposed to watch against these um, these false doctrines, the elders, the leaders of the church are supposed to protect the church from these false doctrines. And so before we move on to the responsibilities uh, of the church, I want to I want to finish this this section about the elders by encouraging you, the elders, to, number one, teach the Word of God. Teach the sound doctrine from the Word of God. Teach the church salvation by grace, sanctification by the grace of God, obedience to God by His grace. Make sure that every time you're preaching, whether it be the Old Testament, the New Testament, that you are remembering how Jesus told the disciples on the road to Emmaus, all of these things are about the Messiah. All of these things are about me, about Jesus. And so make sure that you get to know your Bible really well. Make sure that you get to know the doctrines of Scripture really well. I know that there could be some people that, that are almost like anti doctrine or anti looking at anything in scripture that has any hint of doctrine any more deeply but i would say how are you going to protect the church that you have been entrusted with if you are not serious about your study of scripture if you are not serious about learning the doctrines of the word of god the teachings of the word of god i would say if you're an elder do not be afraid to call out false doctrine do it lovingly do it privately when it's adequate 
Although if the false doctrine was said publicly, then you're probably going to have to correct it publicly. Do it boldly. Do it confidently. And, and most of all, seek to continue to grow in your faith in Jesus. Because that's really what people are going to be imitating. They're going to be, te- they're going to be listening to your teaching, but they're also going to be imitating your walk, your faith. And so you have to make sure that your faith is founded on Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, so that when people see your walk and they consider the outcome of your life, they can imitate that. They can go to Jesus. They can see Jesus in you. All right, so moving on. What are the responsibilities of the church? And this is really the more direct application of this passage. This is the, the, the passage is actually intended to the church. And so, number one, remember your leaders. Be mindful of them, right? Verse seven, remember your leaders, those who spoke the word to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life. Just like Brian was sharing this morning, how we are called to consider Jesus. Similarly, the author of Hebrews also calls us to consider our leaders, right? In, in, in as far as they are demonstrating their faith in Jesus, right? Remember, we're not talking about elite Christianity. We're not talking about a special class of believers. We're talking about a group of men that God has appointed to lead his church and we are called to Remember them, to think of them, like it says in First Thessalonians, to hold them in high esteem, to honor them, to remember the teachings that they're giving us, not to take their teachings lightly, to remember that they take time to study the Word of God, to prepare the Word of God, and listen to them teach the Word of God. We need to consider the outcome of their, of their life. We need to look at them and say, wow, look at, look at the fruit of their life. Look at their families. And that's why another one of the qualifications for the elders is that they have their home in order, right? Because the the rest of the church is looking and saying, wow, look at their families. Their children are not perfect, but I see how the parents are training their children. Their marriage is not perfect, but I see how they are growing together in the grace of God and so on. So we are called to consider the outcome of their way of life. We are considered to, we are called to consider how they have been willing to suffer alongside with Christ. And we are called to imitate their faith. We are called to see their faith in Jesus Christ, who never changes. Jesus Christ never changes and make their faith our faith. We are called to look at how they look at Jesus, the author, and perfecter of our faith, and imitate that faith. We are called to obey and submit to them. Going back to verse 17, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. So, I realize that this concept of obeying and submitting to the elders can be a little bit, can make a little, can make some people uncomfortable. I am aware of this. 
I've spoken with people that, that they just simply don't think that is biblical to submit to the elders. I've heard some people say, well, you know, this is for, this is for when the, the church was young and it was in the early times of the church. They still didn't have the, the completed, uh, uh, you know, word of God. And so the elders were there just kind of to help them out. But once, you know, now that the church is more mature and now that the believers are mature, they're not supposed to submit to the elders. I, I'm sorry, but I don't see a lot of evidence for that. I see that the most, I would say pretty much all, all of the New Testament is, is telling us how the church should function. From the moment that Jesus ascended and the Holy Spirit uh, uh, came down on the disciples until Jesus returns, the New Testament is telling us how the church should function. And so when it says that we are to obey our leaders and submit to them, I think that God really means that. God really means that for us today. And so let me let me maybe say something that maybe uh, uh, might help you understand a little bit. Think about a, a home. Think about a, a family. Would you say that the children are of any less importance than the parents? No? Would you say that the children are, are created any less in the image of God than their parents? No. They're equally created in, in, their, in, in, in God's image. They have equal value. However, would you say that it is the kid's role to rule the home. No. No, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. Although you see it in some homes where like you wonder sometimes, but generally speaking, no. Or I should say all the time, no, it shouldn't. It shouldn't be that the children lead the home. Now, thinking about something else, this is ju- these are just examples that hopefully will help, help us understand. Think about the relationship between a husband and a wife. Would you say that the husband or the wife is less important? No, they're created equal in God's image. They are both saved by grace. In Christ, there is no distinction between man and woman, Jew or Greek. Now, would you say that they, and I realize that this is definitely more more countercultural, but would you say that they are called to do the exact same thing? A culture would say, yeah, yeah, a woman can do exactly the same thing that a man can do. But the word of God says, well, actually, I've given roles to the man and the woman. I've given the role of a leader to the man. I've given the role of a helper to a woman. And they both need each other and they both complement each other. And so in a similar way, when we look at the church, we don't say that the church members are any less than the church leaders. We don't say that the church leaders are have a special standing with God or are more important, but simply God has given the church different roles. And to the elders, God has given the role of leading the church. It doesn't make the church any less in fact the elders are still a part of the church they are still members of the church and they should be submitted to the authority of christ so we are called to obey our leaders and 
submit to them. Why? Because it is their job to keep watch over our souls. And they will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. Make their job easy. Realize that they are the ones that know you, not the YouTube preacher that you've been watching that is telling you that everything that your elders are teaching you is wrong. They don't know you. Your elders are the ones that know you, are the ones that spend their time with you. They are the ones that visit you when you're sick. They are the ones who, who pray for you when you're going through trials and tribulations. They are the ones that pray for you during their elders' meetings. Your elders are the ones that God has put over you to care for you, to, to, uh, to lead the church. And so our job as, as the church is to submit to the people that God has put in authority over us. Our job is to make their job easy. I've, I've heard of leaders that have stepped down from becoming an elder just because they, they cannot deal with the pressure that they have from the church. Just because they feel like the church is always criticizing them. Um, I wasn't, wasn't going to share this, but I just thought about this. When my parents uh, first arrived into the church that they are now, that my dad is now an, an, an elder of, uh, the, the women had a meeting with my mom in which basically they spend the entire time telling her all the things that they didn't like about her and how she trained her children. Talk about, talk about honoring your leaders and, and their family, right? And so our job as the church, our responsibility as the church is to obey and submit to our leaders. Now, why? Why are we supposed to do this? Why are the elders supposed to teach and, and live a life of faith? Why is the church supposed to uh, remember, to consider, to imitate, to obey, and to submit? Well, if you have been paying attention to the book of Hebrews, everything, every single thing that the author of Hebrews has been telling the church has been, has been centered around the doctrine of Jesus, our high priest. Everything that the author of Hebrews has been saying pretty much is Jesus is better. Jesus is better than the old covenant. Jesus is better than all of the sacrificial, all of the sacrificial system, which was only shadow. There were shadows of Jesus Christ. And so the reason why we are called to submit to our elders, to obey them, to imitate their faith is number one, because Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. We are called to imitate their faith, not because their faith is, is so great, but because their faith is in Jesus Christ. We are called to imitate their faith because of the object of, of their faith, with his, which is Jesus Christ. We're called to imitate their faith because Jesus Christ is the, one, is the same one yesterday. He saved us. He's the same today. He is saving us. And he will be the same forever. He will save us. 
We are called to submit to them. We are called to, to obey them. We are called to imitate their faith because we have an altar. Verse 10, we have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. Our altar is the sacrifice of our Lord Jesus Christ. So because we have direct access with God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, then we are called to consider our leaders, to remember them, to obey them, to submit to them. Because the teaching that our leaders have been giving you is the teaching of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ and faith in Him. Because hopefully our leaders are telling us to feed on Christ, to spiritually feed on Christ. The analogy that the author of Hebrews is using here is the analogy of the sacrifice that was given once a year. And of this sacrifice, not even the priests were allowed to eat. This was a sacrifice that had to be taken outside the camp. The blood was sprinkled inside the tabernacle, but the, the sacrifice itself had to be taken outside the camp and the priests were not allowed to eat from it. Of all the other offerings, the priests could eat, but this one they couldn't. And so the author of Hebrews is using this analogy to talk about the sacrifice of Jesus, to talk about the extent of his sacrifice, how he had to be taken outside the gate and how he took our sins upon himself. And so this is the doctrine that the elders should be teaching. And this is the doctrine that we ourselves should be submitting to, that Jesus is our sacrifice. That Jesus took our sins upon himself and he was taken outside the doors. Verse 12, so Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. We should be submitting to our elders because they are preaching sanctification through the blood of Jesus. We should be submitting to our elders because hopefully they are exemplifying what it looks like to bear the reproach that Jesus endured. For, for here we have no lasting city, verse 14, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's pray. God, we thank you that your son Jesus is our high priest. We have access to you through your son Jesus. There is only one mediator between God and man, the man Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for his sacrifice. Thank you that he took our sin upon himself. Thank you that he was taken outside the doors, outside the camp for our sake, Lord. Thank you that we who are in Christ can feed on him spiritually. Thank you that we have the right to feed on Jesus, on his words. And Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for the elders of this church that you help them to uh, continue to take their responsibility to guard your church, 
seriously? That they continue to live lives of obedience to you, of repentance when they fail, when they sin, of faith in your son Jesus, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I pray for this church, I pray for Titan Drive, that you give them the obedience to you, God, the submission to you, the humility to understand that you are calling them to obey their leaders and submit to them, Lord. I pray that the leaders would show a a sacrificial leadership, a Christ-like leadership, God. We thank you, God, for your son Jesus and his work on our behalf. We thank you that our hearts are strengthened by your grace. We praise you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen.